Hello there, because I'm Carlos Podcast, number 27, and I thought I would go back to the podcast format since it's been about a month since the last episode, and I try to make sure I don't fall too far behind. I try to do about one a month, so we did one in October here, and we're doing one in November, and I'm going to try to figure out ahead of time, get a little bit out ahead of it, and try to figure out what we're going to put onto the podcast, uh, this format here, for December. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the YouTube channel itself, even though this is an audio version, it's going to be available in that format, and I actually have a topic that I want to talk about towards the tail end of it, and I will play a little audio for you, so you will get the benefit of that as well. As usual, whenever I reference anything on the YouTube channel or this podcast format, and whatever you get it, uh, if you get it through a regular podcast app, or any or anywhere else i will include some links to in the description of either the youtube channel itself or in the podcast episode if you want to check it out from that way so that way you can go and check it out on your own like i said i will play a clip for you a little bit later on when i get into the main topic but before i do i'm going to talk about a couple of things related kind of the youtube channel as well specifically and some content that i'm going to be doing for the rest of the year and then also some other items that are kind of on my mind that we're going to talk about. So let me start off here with a couple of uh, items just to get a li- them out of the way. First of all, I'm kind of planning out already as we speak coming in here in late November that I'm recording this. I'm starting to plan out the end of the year because we're sitting in the time we're in here. We're approaching December. I also want to add in here since I'm recording on the Friday. This is the day after American Thanksgiving. So those folks stateside, happy Turkey Day. Hopefully you enjoyed yourself. And if you still got a, if you still got the Friday off and you got a long weekend, enjoy that as well. I know a number of the folks that watch the channel are based out of the States. So I just wanted to give you a happy belated Thanksgiving for you. Now, as far as the YouTube channel itself is concerned, or my content in general, I've still got a lot of plans as far as the end of the year is with different videos. Some of the stuff's kind of obvious, because what I usually do towards the end of the year is I've got a trio of videos that I do as kind of an end of year best of, you know, uh, different variety of things that I want to do. I'm going to stick to the same format that I used the last couple of years. One thing that I want to mention, though, is that I've noticed kind of as I've been keeping track of it. Uh, Last year, I ended up making 185 videos on the YouTube channel, which was my record output of all time, and I was very proud of that. Uh, Basically, one video every other day on average, a little bit better than that, obviously. But uh, this year, actually, we're on track to surpass that, which is kind of funny, because because basically when I worked out the math is where I was sitting at, not even counting what I'm doing right now. If I sit there and count it, uh, I'm still doing all the Friday live streams, but going forward in terms of that, that means I got about six left on the calendar. I'm going to be doing one on the Friday that I'm recording today, but then also in addition to that, there's going to be one every Friday all the way through the rest of the year, because the way the schedule falls is I did the Christmas Eve and the New Year's Eve last year, but in this case, it's going to be New Year and Christmas Eve Eve. So as far as that's concerned, that shouldn't be any scheduling issue there. We're going to do live streams all the way through into the new year. But aside from that, if I do any other videos of any kind, really, uh, I will surpass that number. So it's one of those things I kind of was keeping track of that in the back of my mind, and I figured I would be getting dangerously close to it, and it looks like I'm going to surpass it. We'll see where I end up as far as that's concerned, but like I can already book nine videos, if nothing else, including the one that I'm recording right now. So that's 10, adding to what I've already got. And I'm basically right up there against the number uh, with nothing else on the docket. There will be a couple more pickup uh, videos before the year end. However, that is going to slow down because as we reach the end of the year here, I'm pretty tapped out after the expo. I did the expo videos and everything on the channel, which was fun and a good time from, from my perspective. But it's one of those things, it's the time of year to kind of consolidate, sit back and plan out. I'll still probably pick up a couple of things here and there. And I do still have at least one more major mail day left as far as that year is concerned. And then maybe some, maybe something that'll kick in in the new year. I do have a comp C order, but that'll probably be in the new year when that kicks in. Outside of that, the only other thing that I've got upcoming for sure that is coming up on the channel personally is going to be a video on the 2022 AEW Upper Deck series. So I'm going to bring back Billy Cilio from Upper Deck. 
who uh, develops a lot of these products to talk about that a little bit because that's going to be coming up next week and I want to talk about that and the the wrestling theme by the way is going to play into my main topic but I wanted to make sure I mentioned that coming up here on the channel now since I'm on the topic so that covers kind of my housekeeping section of it I wanted to get over through a couple of those items here that I put on my little list here of bullet points now speaking of the wrestling card topic since I've talked about it on the channel a number of times it's one of those things that I've kind of enjoyed it's been kind of a fun thing for me to do in terms of building and collecting uh, various wrestling cards with a focus on the AEW side of things because that's my preferred company and the shows that I enjoy watching and I and I still continue to enjoy watching to this day but it's one of those things where that market has always been kind of niche and it remains very niche and I find it very amusing when folks try to incorporate and try to use certain types of logic in order to try to justify the possibility of an expansion in that marketplace. Now, stop me if that sounds familiar. And the reason that's the reason why I wanted to talk about this, because I'm going to fixate on a very specific uh, line of conversation that I heard on a YouTube channel. The actual live stream that it was on was a couple of weeks ago. And like I said, I'll include a link to it in the description so you can check it out for yourself. And I'll give you a bit of a timestamp to kind of uh, go forward with if you want to check it out. But there was a logic included in this that actually applies to a multitude of other categories as well. And what I want to do for you is I want to play you the clip. I'm going to let it run a little bit. But then when I come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about how I think the logic is faulty, but also how a similar type of logic has been used in a couple of different areas. And the way I'm going to phrase this and the way I'm going to position it to you is that really when I hear this, what I'm actually hearing for me is this is like the untapped market theory. This is the way I would classify it. It's the untapped market theory, meaning you come up with any justification, you bend over backwards to justify that whatever category you think you want to start pumping up, and really that's what it comes down to, you want to pump up this category, your justification is, oh, but there's this whole untapped market that hasn't been tapped into or touched on. And it's not exclusive to this, to this category. It's not exclusive to wrestling, and it's not exclusive to any one specific sport, because I've heard it a number of times since the hobby boom started kicking in in 2020. Almost everything had this untapped market. And on my YouTube channel, I did a review of the Behind the Card documentary. And in the justification uh, towards the end that I kind of poked fun at, uh, one of the hobby influencers, Brad, the Comeback Card Investor, talked about the idea of the international market kicking in, which would in turn, you know, expand everything. And then, you know, the party just got started. Well, that didn't age well, obviously. But this is a variant of the same justification. The idea that there's this mysterious untapped market that, well, if we can get a percentage of those folks to come in, then it will bolster this and increase it and oh man look at all this stuff that's going to happen and it's extrapolating it and it's basically a guessing game but at the same time it's using the same justification over and over and over again in all these different categories and markets and you can phrase it differently you know put different window dressing on it but it's still it's still missing a critical element but i'm going to play this clip first i wanted you to hear the the argument the case being made listen to it and then we're going to talk through it here at the end of it so i'm going to play this for you and then we'll go from there. You know what I'm excited about? What we just kind of like, what we just kind of floated the idea with at Dallas is you and me doing WrestleCon and bringing wrestling cards to WrestleMania in LA next year. I know I had so many people at my table this past week coming up to me who were like um, total wrestling fanatics, like huge fanatics. Like these guys spent like eight grand on for their uh, tickets at last WrestleMania in Dallas. And they were telling me all about um, WrestleCon and told me that, you know, for you and I to check into it since WrestleMania 2023 will be at SoFi in Los Angeles this year. And then I heard rumor is that the WrestleCon will be nearby in Gardena, California. I'm so doing it. Gotta check it out. If we can get a table, we're doing it. Yes, and I would love to. It will be perfect timing because I am I am building my wrestling inventory and I've got I've got good amount of grails so far. 
So I think that if we debut that at WrestleCon and expose wrestling cards to all these wrestling fanatics and collectors that uh, I think we can make a splash. Agreed. Well, that's what these guys said too. And they weren't the only ones either this week who were big into wrestling and telling me that I should do that. Because they said right. there's not much competition with the wrestling card market at these WrestleCons. Now, you know what would be interesting? So we can't just like go in there with like $5,000, wrestling cards, right? They're not going to – a wrestling collector that is used to buying action figures and T-shirts and stuff like that, they're not going to be able to see the value on those type of cards. So we'll have to be very strategic about it. But we could go in there with like $50, $100, $200 cards of all their favorite wrestlers, and maybe maybe that will kind of like um, get be the gateway into them collecting if they can buy something like a reasonably priced or if mm -hmm. we have like any like low-end – wax that we could bring and, and show them the joy of ripping boxes and things like that. I think that would be very interesting. Well, it'd be great because, you know, we are local. So it's not like we have to put on a plane like we do for other card shows like Dallas. We can just you drive all that stuff there. So it'd be great to have oh, yeah. um, memorabilia, cards, boxes, you know, cards that are graded, raw, just, you know, a lot of different, you know, diverse product. Raw cards. We'll have to bring a lot of raw cards for them to kind of thumb through and see, you know, kind of get a, get a card for like five bucks or something like that, mm -hmm. uh, to kind of start them off. Uh, and and maybe some people will have experience with collecting cards, but maybe they won't know what graded cards are. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can see that. But we'll have to educate them on graded card cards and why why they should pay a premium for something that's graded, right? Um, but I, I'm excited about that just to be able to like be surrounded by people who appreciate wrestling. So we definitely have to make that a mission. We have to reach out to those organizers, those show nice spot is their name. And then we find out also who is going to be there for the autographs and make sure we get those cards as well oh yeah oh yeah for sure so excited about that if anybody's a wrestling fan and they plan to go to wrestlecon or wrestlemania or anything like that you know let's let's plan something big where we can get a big support group out there and uh and show up strong okay now i know i had to let that run for a little while so hopefully you got the gist of it it was basically a whole conversation this was on a live stream uh and like i said i'll leave a link to it for you in the description this was a whole live stream uh putting together a whole elaborate plan to quote unquote expose you know wrestling fans at wrestlecon to the these wrestling these mysterious wrestling cards it's like guys wrestling cards have been around a long time now again this goes back to the idea because if you listen to it a lot of the idea here and justification is okay so this is obviously a you know a market a in in terms of a wrestlecon this is already a group of people that are predisposed to wrestling so it's not like you have to teach them what professional wrestling is you know it's it's not a hard sell from that perspective but if you notice interspersed in that conversation was the whole justification of all oh, these guys spend all this money on these wrestlemania tickets and they spend all these money on and there's a continuation of it i didn't want to play too much of it for you but the the, the gist of it was that because they'll spend so much money on wrestling tickets to a big event because they'll spend so much money on rest things like wrestling belts other types of wrestling memorabilia therefore you know obviously if you know exposed and shown the opportunities to to buy and invest in these in these wonderful wrestling cards therefore they would realize oh well obviously we should be paying a lot of money for these and uh, this is the great curator this is the youtube channel the question that this clip is from and if you're familiar with a lot of his work is that he did uh he did basically a similar kind of thing with uh, a lot of those Star Wars cards and uh, specifically Star Wars Super Fractors and a lot of that and a lot of that thing. And part of the reason why I'm discussing it now is that it's not because I particularly care. At the end of the day, for me, my my counter and there are some YouTube channels that literally obsess over every word he said. They cyberstalk him a little bit. It's kind of entertaining. But that's their prerogative and it's perfectly fine if they want to do that. But the reality of it is the reason why most of the time I don't care is because realistically it's so transparent and overt and in this case it's kind of transparent and overt yet again is that to me it's like look if you guys fall for that kind of thing you know then you deserve what you get because again it's 
the whole discussion here was laid out. And during the Star Wars one, it was a situation where they had this card. Uh, one one of the guys had bought the card from somebody else and then sold it to the other one. And then in turn, they sold it to Dap Sports, uh, if you're familiar with him on YouTube, who in turn basically created a bunch of content around it. So it was kind of this overtly obvious thing where they literally had like a podcast episode where the three previous owner of the card were all discussing the, the wonderful potential value of said card. In that situation, it's like, guys, uh, you basically got a neon sign above you that says, hey, if you're listening to this and like falling for it, you're a sucker. Like, I, I can't help you at that point. But in this case, the logic here is not new. Like I mentioned, there similar justifications are used for other categories. And I've heard it over and over again. I heard it for that international market, specifically talking about basketball cards or soccer cards or Formula One cards as various examples. In addition to it, conceptually, same idea. I listen to it when they're folks talking about football cards and they say like, well, you know, hundred million people watch the Super Bowl. I'm just throwing numbers out there, but conceptually you understand what I'm saying. Millions of people watch the Super Bowl, millions and millions. And then in addition to that, you think, oh, Monday Night Football gets this rating and it gets that rating. Well, uh, if you go back in time to the 80s and 70s, some of the biggest Monday Night Football audiences, also in terms of percentage of people uh, televisions watching, were in that era. And what a lot of people are watching football for, I'm just going to start with football here and I'll move back to wrestling in a second. But what a lot of people watch football for is because they're fans of the team or because they like fantasy football or because they like gambling. There's a variety of different reasons. It's not one reason why they're watching. Yes, they might appreciate football. That can be certainly be part of it. But it's not the only reason they'd be watching this. There's a multitude of different reasons. And the idea that this magical audience that is suddenly going to be convertible into sports cards is, is a leap at best. And it's always been the, the, the missing link of this justification. They'll leap from oh, they like this thing, therefore, if we can get even a percentage of them to like this other thing, it'll expand that market. And because the market is already very niche, it is true that it wouldn't take a lot to expand that market. So maybe this wonderful master plan from the great curator, maybe it ends up working out. Maybe they go to WrestleCon, expose a bunch of people to these sports cards for the first time, and somehow they manage to avoid the last 30, 40 years of wrestling cards that have existed. If somehow they completely miss that, because again, in the 80s, Tops had wrestling cards. They had WWF cards back then. So it's not like they've never released cards before. And they've released cards with different products. And WWF back in the day branded themselves like crazy during the Attitude Era. Wrestling still has a popularity to it. It still has this audience of millions of people every week, uh, particularly for WWE still. But like that audience has eroded a lot from its absolute heyday in the Attitude Era. And I remember the cards back then, I think it was Comic Images was one of the brands that did uh, cards. And you can actually get a card of The Rock, and I believe there's an autographed version of that card. Now, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, super popular. That card certainly has value and the potential to still have some value. But I want you to think about that and understand that during that era, this was the Attitude Era. This was like the height of popularity for the genre. Even then, the cards were, were an afterthought. And the idea always was like, oh, but these guys, you know, spend money on these action figures. They spend money on these replica belts. They spend money on, you know, all this other paraphernalia, autographs, and all these things related to the genre of professional wrestling. What if we could get them to collect the cards? And my retort is like, maybe, maybe, you know, it's still, a, it's certainly a possibility, but I'm going to remind you that a lot of them have had multiple opportunities to buy these cards already. So the idea that you can suddenly magically convert them at this point, when they've ignored it this entire rest of the time, is a bit of a stretch. Not impossible, but it's one of those things where the the attempt though is very transparent. It's one of those things where as a collector, as someone who collects uh, wrestling cards, 
I'm not saying no from the perspective of like, oh my God, I'm protecting this precious hobby. And I'm not pretending like I've been collecting wrestling cards for 30 years. I have not. I've been collecting cards for more than 30 years. But wrestling cards, even I as a fan, didn't necessarily get into them. But when I got into them, I was still able to buy a lot of stuff cheap. And honestly, I still can, but obviously some stuff has inflated in price, which is fine. And I can live with that and I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm not one of those people that are militant about, oh my God, it can never go up in price. But I like the idea of it going up in price organically. I like the idea of it going up in price because people have an appreciation for it. AEW is the smaller of the two companies. I enjoy what they do. I enjoy their characters. So I'm going to collect some of them and I'm going to get my enjoyment out of that. There's nothing wrong with people appreciating it and potentially that, that audience growing and potentially that audience, you know, slowly increasing those prices over time. But something like this, where you're going to WrestleCon with the idea of like, oh man, I'm going to bring all this crazy inventory and we're going to do all this stuff. I'm going to educate them on graded cards. And I'm like, wonderful. Fantastic. That's exactly what we need is, a, is more of that nonsense. We, at the end of the day, it's a free, you know, it's a free country, so to speak, and they can do whatever they want. And, you know, it's entrepreneurial spirit. It's capitalism. So fair enough. But uh, the truth is the argument itself doesn't hold water here the same way it doesn't hold water anywhere else. Uh, the analogy that I use when the folks used it for the basketball example was something like Luka Doncic. Oh, Luka Doncic has all these fans internationally. What if some, why, why couldn't, they, why wouldn't they want a Luka Doncic prison rookie? And my response was, a Luka, at that time, a Luka Doncic prison rookie is a lot of money. You could be a Luka Doncic fan and probably be satisfied with a Dallas Mavericks hat, a Luka Doncic jersey, a variety of other memorabilia that you could use to commemorate you know, your fandom of this. Or you could just be content watching the games. Why on earth do you necessarily need a piece of cardboard? Answer, you don't necessarily need a piece of cardboard. If you like it, you like it. But, if, but just because you're a fan doesn't automatically convert you into a collector. And they always try to use that percentage argument, but it doesn't work that way. It, there is a lot of friction getting into sports cards if you're not interested in sports cards. Even somebody, like I said, in the wrestling example here, even somebody like me, who has been a wrestling fan for a very long time, I didn't necessarily need to get into cards. I was familiar with the cards. I remember those comic images cards, the WBF cards from back then in the Attitude Era. I actually bought packs of that stuff but it didn't necessarily convert me into it. And I was already a card collector to begin with. So when there's not necessarily an immediacy, it's not necessarily like, okay, you're a fan of A and you're a fan of collecting, therefore you collect A, not necessarily. And like I said, I'd be more predisposed to it back then than anybody else. I should probably have full sense of it. I don't, but I was familiar with it. I was exposed to it. I made a decision to collect other things and other priorities. Because as a card collector, I only have so much money to go around. I can only stretch my dollar in so many direct, different directions. And back then, by the way, those cards were cheap. So it's one of those things where it wasn't necessarily that they were so expensive. No, actually, they were quite available and they were they were not that expensive. And it wouldn't have been that crazy to do and build a set out and do, and do a couple of those things. It just wasn't something that was a priority for me, even as a fan of the genre and even as a card collector. Today, I get my enjoyment from it as kind of an alternative to my main collections. It's kind of a fun little diversion. It's another fun category that I can get into and sink my teeth into. I've been enjoying that. But it's something like stuff like this that is kind of like sad because at the end of the day, it's, it's so blatant and so transparent. It's, it's really what it comes down to. That's the angle that I'm taking on this. It is so blatant. It is so transparent. And the argument just sucks. It is a terrible argument because, because like I said, it really comes down to the untapped market theory. That's all we're talking about here. Every single one of these things that I've outlined, these different examples I've given, and I know I haven't elaborated on all of them as much as I could have. I, I can make this video much longer and expand upon it even more. But the short version here, the short version, is that whenever we're using the untapped market theory, every single time we're using this untapped market theory, we're going back to the same argument over and over and over again. 
we're going back to the argument that somehow, some way, this time, different than any other time, this is the time that we're actually going to get this audience that for whatever reason has not already been interested in this topic, this is the time they're going to buy in. This is the time we're going to be able to convince them. This is the time we're going to get them to throw money at this and we're all going to get rich. And like I said, you can, you can put different window dressing on it, but that's all this is. It's, it's a very naked and blatant attempt at trying to pump up a market. And unlike a lot of other content creators, I really don't care if someone tries to pump up a market in the sense of they try to promote a piece of it because I use this example here. But there are other YouTube channels and things that like to talk up the wrestling card hobby because they would like to see it, you know, get more appreciation. They would like to see it get a little bit more understanding. They would love to see more people enter into it to make it kind of legitimize what they're doing. And that's kind of the angle they take on it, which is perfectly fine. I think that's reasonable. But at the same time, they, they ask the same question over and over again. And I've talked about it before. They ask the question, well, if they spend money on this and they're into this and they're fans of this, why don't they buy into it? Well, the answer is maybe they don't want to. And I, I, I think it's funny because it's like, that's the simplest answer. <laughs> the simplest answer isn't that, oh, well, they've just, they just don't know about it. It's like, maybe, well, maybe they do. And maybe they've made an active decision not to participate because that's not what they're into. Maybe they're content watching their wrestling show on TV. Maybe they're content watching their sport on TV, buying a jersey, maybe, get, maybe go into a game or two. Not everybody has to enter into every single element of it just because it's there. As a wrestling fan, I have gotten the chance to attend shows. I got a chance to attend a couple of shows this year, which was really fun. I got a I, I do collect the cards, but not all the cards. I collect the ones that interest me, and I do it. And like I mentioned a little earlier, on my YouTube channel, I'm going to have the pro one of the product managers from Upper Deck who's been on my channel a number of times, a good, a good buddy who I've had a chance to chat with uh, on a number of occasions on a lot of this stuff, who also enjoys and appreciates it. But we're going to have fun with it. We're going we're gonna to kind of talk about it from the fact of stuff that we like about it. I'm not concerned about the long-term value of these items. To me, it's kind of like, no, I just think it's really cool. And we're gonna get a chance to talk about a couple of elements of it, where I'm looking at it from the perspective of, I looked at some of the pictures of some of the ones that are used on there. I actually know what match that picture came from. Stuff like that is interesting to me. I enjoy it. I pre-ordered a couple of boxes because I'm gonna open them on the channel. I'm gonna have fun with it. But if that stuff never goes up in price, I really don't care. It doesn't make any difference to me. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm going to move some cards here and there because it allows me to kind of recycle and then and then I'm going to keep the ones that I like, collect the sections of it that I enjoy, and then let the other parts of it go somewhere else. And that's kind of the, the approach that I've taken to a lot of it because, again, this is kind of a side PC for me as opposed to a lot of the main stuff that I'll do that I talk about on the channel the rest of the time. But regardless, kind of in contrast to what I talked about on this particular episode, I'm not off running to WrestleCon with some expensive cards trying to pitch people on the idea that they should pay big money for this. Because a lot of these things are based on air. And I've talked about on this on my YouTube channel a number of times. I did it when uh, WWE Prism came out originally and I was pointing out, look at the price on this, high. Now compare it to the price of an equivalent Topps Chrome, which is very similar. And you could argue whether you like one more than the other. And that's completely up to you. That's a subjective judgment. But I pointed out that like, oh, look at this out of 10 and look at this out of 10 and look at the discrepancy in price. Does that make sense? My answer was no, but I leave it to the audience to figure out, the people listening. I leave it to you to figure out whether it makes sense or not. And again, you may not care about this stuff at all in terms of the genre that I'm talking about. That's why I gave those, those other examples though. The, 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 the international basketball collectors that were going to come in and throw even more money at that and, and jack up that basketball market that was already super pumped up anyway, apparently never materialized. 
That does not mean there are not great international collectors. There definitely are. That does not mean there are super fans out there who will buy some of these cards. There are. They exist. But at the same time, the idea was, oh, there's going to be this huge untapped market that was going to make it even crazier. Hasn't materialized. The football guys, have football cards appreciated during that run-up? Absolutely they did. Some of the cards have gone up substantially from where they were previous. But has it been this gigantic influx of, because in their minds, of a lot of these folks that make this pitch, oh my God, it could go up like another two, five, ten times. Oh my goodness. Like these gigantic numbers on the basis of, well, look at how many millions of people are watching these games on TV every week. That is true. But again, most of those folks are in fantasy. They're gambling. Or they just enjoy watching their team on Sunday. It doesn't have to be this complicated, elaborate thing. It can actually be a very simple answer to this question. Why? Well, they know about it and they're not interested. Sometimes that's the answer. I know it's not the answer that these guys want, but sometimes that is the answer. Like I said, it's just kind of my opinion, my take on it. I just decided to take this clip here that I pulled out of it and I wanted to talk through it a little bit because I just thought it was such a blatant and transparent thing that it's, it, it's almost embarrassing that they would actually go and talk through this out loud and let other people listen in on it. It was just, it was just weird. It's like, it wouldn't have shocked me if they had done it, but at the same time, it's like, just to talk through it, it's like, okay, I guess this is the approach you're going to take. Fair enough. I leave it to you. I disagree with a lot of their premise. Uh, does that mean it's not going to work? No, it, it could very well, there could be some people that fall for that. And uh, my condolences to them because just increasing that market, because if you aren't aware, when that WWE Prism product came out, it was driven up a lot by speculation. Those boxes went up crazy and went into four figures. And they've come down quite a bit since then. They're back down probably to around where they should have been in the first place. Because eventually that speculation money ran out. And all of a sudden the prices came back down to earth. Does that mean though that there aren't some cards of some value in there? Nope, there certainly are. Because these things will find their market. They don't need quote unquote help. And they don't need a reliance on this untapped, this nebulous untapped market that you're hoping is going to somehow come out of nowhere. And maybe it will, but it's one of those things where the hope is a lot stronger than the facts will back it up. And that's just kind of my take, my opinion on it. Anyway, so that's enough out of me on this one. I, I just wanted to kind of put that out there and uh, thought, thought I'd get your take on it. I'm curious, have you heard a similar kind of argument from folks about untapped markets and, and that kind of thing? Just something that, like I said... That, that's how I'm going to categorize it, and that's the way that I would put it out there. Otherwise, I'd be curious to get your thoughts. Uh, if you listen to the audio version, you know, hopefully you enjoyed. Uh, you know, Leave a five-star review wherever you are, whatever podcast platform you use. If you're checking out on the YouTube channel, though, I'd be curious about your comments. If you want to put something in the, in the comments section, I'd love for you to check it out. Otherwise, uh, like if you like. Uh, more videos are going to come up on the channel, and, and I usually do my live streams on Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern time where I talk about various things. And that's on the YouTube channel. Links to that is in the description as always if you check out the audio version. Otherwise, if you're on YouTube already, well, then you're on the channel, so you're good to go. Like if you like, subscribe. Thanks very much. I'll catch you in the next one.